Hello and welcome to episode 264 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. We've got the normal rotation back this week after a couple weeks of weird scheduling. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing great, Mark. Uh, glad to have you back, obviously, as your current role. And, of course, a fun weekend at Yankee Stadium. The Jays, of course, play the Yankees for the first time. Some comments from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that I think um, I've definitely, um, I guess, got people going the wrong way in New York. But for the most part, it was a fun series. The Jays get the series win. And it was definitely a good way to uh, end their weekend after what happened last week in Houston. Yeah, definitely a good end of the road trip. And, I mean, now they're going to head home, play the White Sox, and... Welcome home, Mariners. Charlie. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, what did I say? I said they need to at least go 500 on the road trip, and I think that's exactly what they did. So, can't really ask for much more, I guess, maybe a couple extra wins. But, uh, you know what? I'll take it. You play good teams, and you had an overall good road trip. Yeah, I've heard people characterizing this road trip as kind of rough for the Blue Jays. I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I mean, ideally, you win both series, and you go in four and six against the Yankees and Astros. But this is the Yankees and Astros. Like, I know the Astros didn't haven't had the hottest start to the season. I know the Yankees have their own problems, but when you go 500 against two of probably the top five teams in baseball, maybe top seven or eight, if you're looking at it that way, like you can't complain about that situation. So I wouldn't describe these two series as rough. I think this is ultimately what the Blue Jays needed to do against these good teams. And they did it. Um, A big standout from this series in New York is the starting pitching. You have Alec Manoa, you have Yusei Kikuchi, you have Kevin Gosman, all throwing gems uh, out of the starting rotation. I know we've expressed a lot of concerns to start the season with the starting rotation, but and I know we've been asking this question pretty much every week, but are we finally settling into a little bit of, okay, we can count on Alec Manoa every time out, we can count on Kevin Gosman every time out, we can start counting on someone like Yusei Kikuchi or even Jose Barrios, who's gotten a lot better over the course of the season, and Chris Bassett, who started pitching well. Like, Are we at a point where we can start putting faith in these guys and start expecting some little bit of reliability out of them as the season progresses? I think it's fair at this point. I mean, we haven't seen, uh, I think it was last episode I said we need to see Brios at least once more to uh, get a full gauge on him. But I'm looking at Yusei Kikuchi. I'm not saying he, that I'm handing him the ball in game seven at this point, but I'm giving him every start and I'm having confidence in him in every start. And Alec Manoa, the thing is, is like we have to remember, the start of this season was his first rough patch, really, of his career. And this is the worst stretch of his career so far. So... Other than that, he's been very reliable, very, I mean, he could have been Rookie of the Year 2021, he just didn't play enough, 2022 was a Cy Young finalist, he's clearly a talented pitcher, and he he dominated the Yankees, like, I mean, we'll get to it later, he probably could have pitched a little bit longer, but when you're, when you're in command, seven strong innings, pitch count is extremely low, strikeouts are up, well, I mean, they're not crazy high, but you're striking out, or striking out five batters, only the one walk, no one runs, like, you are giving your team a chance to win against one of the premier teams. And I know they didn't end up winning, but regardless of that, Alec Manoa was not the reason why. And to me, like if you're, if even if you lose two out of three, thankfully they didn't lose two out of three, but if you're looking at reasons to be optimistic for, you know, a future series or just the future of this team in general, starting pitching is starting to become one of them. And I mean, we're now th- going through the fifth or sixth rotation through or, or turn through the rotation, if I'm not mistaken. 
everybody's starting to settle in and it's the thing is is if you have a good start you're like Manoa where you have seven innings or you're like Kikuchi and, and Gosman where you're throwing five six seven innings that's less on the bullpen so that's more of a rested bullpen and that's more for you know say tomorrow uh or today or what, whatever it is if you need to use your high leverage guys two days in a row it's not like you're panicking for that third game because you're like oh well what if we don't have him no you can rely on that starting pitcher so at this point I'm not I'm not going to say that, yes, the rotation is completely back to form, but like 95% there. Like, we've clearly seen that this is one of the better rotations, not just in the American League, but even baseball. Like, we talked about how you have your top three, Bassett, uh, Manoa, and Gosman, who are all three borderline, I mean, I'm not going to say all three are borderline aces, but they're easily a one or two starter on any rotation in this league. And then you just have your fourth and fifth starters, who in some cases are wild cards, but at least in the early going have been pitching like a third starter, even a second starter in, in, in some instances. So I'm definitely happy with what we're seeing throughout this, uh, throughout, uh, the end of April and hopefully into May. And we'll just have to see if it continues. And I like, we keep saying, like we said, about the, uh, the Astros shoes, these are good teams. It's not like you're just squeezing by the Kansas city Royals, no disrespect to them, but you are doing well against a very good team. And if you're looking at reasons to be optimistic, if you can dominate a good team, that's all you really need to know that, that this team and specifically the starting rotation is looking like it's back in form. I'll tell you what, it was a great weekend for the starting rotation to bounce back because if they didn't, and if there were some hiccups along the way, I think we'd be a little bit more concerned, especially just because uh, it's the first time against the Yankees. Like I remember last year when they first played the Yankees and it just felt like, I guess coming into the year, we didn't really, I guess, hype up the Yankees as much as we should have and it just felt like really early on there was a massive difference between these two teams in terms of I guess just levels they were on I mean the Yankees were off to that uh, horrific or historic start sorry and then of course the Jays were had some holes and the Yankees pretty much were it just felt like they were like unbeatable at a certain point last year so I'm glad that we were able to get the first series out of the way with the Jays winning the series of course this team feels a lot more competitive than last year in terms of matching up with the Yankees I think of course the Yankees do have their own situations going on with injuries, as you mentioned, Mark, at the top. But I just think coming away with this on the weekend or from the weekend was crucial for that. And of course, in terms of asking about the starting rotation, I'll be a little, I'll be even more confident than Jacob. I'll say, I'll say it's back after what we saw this weekend. I think Yusei Kikuchi goes out there again. And I mean, first of all, I'm sure you guys saw the pictures of him at Central Park uh, the day before his start. He loves going there for some reason. I think he says just because of how quiet it is. But the fact that he was able to go out there again, I mean, he goes six innings, allowing one and run. Another quality start, three strikeouts. And his stuff is just, it remains good. Like, this is something that has been consistent now throughout the, pretty much the start of the year. And even then, those starts that Jacob and I, we've discussed a lot over the last couple of weeks, is even those starts in Kansas City and Anaheim where things didn't exactly go his way, or especially the one in Anaheim, he still had good stuff going, I felt like. And there was just factors in the start that happened around him that pretty much affected his overall, um, I guess, numbers in terms of that. So that's why I was always confident with Kikuchi coming into this weekend. And the fact that he goes out there again, I mean, his slider was outstanding. I thought on Friday night, he puts up that uh, box score. And then, of course, the biggest elephant in the room for me, or the biggest question mark, and I think it was for everybody, was Alec Manoa. I mean, we talked, or Jacob, you talked about it a little bit. The first time we have seen him struggle like this. And in terms of mechanically, location, everything like that, it just wasn't going his way. And the fact that they needed him to come out this weekend and, you know, maybe all he needed was just, just to just face the Yankees to get him going again. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, like, 
if you look at the way he pitched on Saturday compared to what we've seen throughout the other four starts this year, I mean, it's not even remotely close. It looks like a completely different pitcher. And then the pitcher that we saw this past Saturday was the one that we're used to seeing, the one that's going out there and locating pitches, being confident, you know, a lower pitch count. Jacob, you talked about that, the efficiency. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was seven scoreless innings again with five strikeouts. But for me, it wasn't even the strikeouts that I was looking for here because I know the strikeouts are coming with Al Kamanoa. It was the walking because that's something that has been an issue this year in terms of falling behind the count, in terms of high pitch counts. I mean, barely getting to the fifth inning uh, for a couple straight starts that he had going on earlier on in the season, uh, most notably going back to the home opener against the Tigers where... I mean, he's throwing 35 pitches an inning. He's falling behind counts. So that's why I think that was the biggest part for me was that he was able to go out there and be efficient. And there was no walks even to his um, his his box score on Saturday. And his slider was also really good for him, I thought, uh, as one of his secondary pitches that were getting a lot of swing and misses. So that was really important for me to see Manoa go out there against Garrett Cole, against the Yankees, to be able to do that. He loves pitching at Yankee Stadium, and maybe that's all he needed to get going again. So... Cautiously optimistic that he's going to be able to figure it out. Even before this start, I think we all had that understanding he was going to figure it out. And then, of course, with Kevin Gosman, I mean, there's not much else to say other than I'm not surprised in terms of his bounce back. I mean, it's weird to kind of, again, this is something we talked about the last episode. It's just weird what happened uh, against the Astros out of all teams where just nobody was going after his splitter. Like, it was really... It was just bizarre, and then after that first inning, he settled in and got the bullpen, or he gave the bullpen some rest going up to the around the fifth inning. He goes back out there um, yesterday on Sunday and pretty much gets or picks up right where he left off at the beginning of April. I mean, 11 whiffs on a splitter alone, and then of course, 11 strikeouts overall in seven scoreless, of course, as well. And I was th- I was thinking to myself, I don't ever remember a pitcher on this team, or just in general, it's really rare to see where somebody goes out there early on in April and gets lit up for like seven run runs, like what happened with Kevin Gosman in Houston. And then he comes away with the start, and we're pretty much near the end of April now, and his ERA is still below three. That shows how good he's been despite that start in Houston. He's been outstanding. He went out there again, and he made the Yankees look like fools with his splitter, and it was really cool seeing Anthony Rizzo cry to the umpire about a called third strike. That was something that... I took in very, uh, or just, it was very enjoying to see that. And that's why I think for Kevin Gosman, he was locked in. This rotation was locked in. I think it's in a good spot after this uh, road trip. Yeah, I definitely think it is. It's hard to look at it any other way. I mean, you can look at that Houston series and complain about some of the starts that the Blue Jays got there. But in a Yankee series against an offense like the Yankees, to go out there and throw three phenomenal back-to-back-to-back outings is really great. And for the Alec Manoa start, there was more riding on it than just good pitching like there was a lot of storylines outside of the pitching that was going on that day we saw in the Friday game Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got hit by a pitch words exchanged between him and the reliever on the mound at that point also him and Anthony Rizzo the benches don't clear but both the managers come out the umpires have to get in between it's a whole thing that was Friday Saturday we expected fireworks because we knew Alec Manoa was going head-to-head with Garrett Cole in the mound, and we know the rivalry they have dating back to last year, and Alec Manoa chirping Garrett Cole about getting past the Audi sign next time, if he's going to come onto the field, etc., etc. We didn't really see much in the way of fireworks. We saw Santiago Espinal get hit with a pitch in the hand, and thankfully the x-rays are negative, but he looked like he was in a lot of pain. He came out of the game, but that was basically all we saw, and from all intents and purposes, it seems like it was unintentional. Um... I don't know if there's more coming down the road with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
I know that was some of the big controversy from this series with Flatty coming out and saying and doubling down on his statements over the offseason that he would never play with the Yankees, not even dead. He said that it's a personal thing, it's a family thing, and then when he hit his second home run of the series on Sunday's game, Yankees fans booed him. Um, and then in response to that, manager John Schneider said they don't boo nobodies. Um, so just kind of a wonderful back and forth to start the season. And I mean, taking the fan out of it, watching these rivalries and watching these tensions between fan bases and teams makes it exhilarating, especially when it's something like the Yankees, who the Blue Jays have been up against for so, so long. And there is already this kind of shared history with them. It was awesome to see that rivalry bloom and become a little bit more intense. I know it's kind of been building over the offseason. Yankees fans seem to be obsessed with the Blue Jays for whatever reason and making fun of them and various things, both appropriate and inappropriate. Um, but it's brilliant to see. It's wonderful to see this kind of rivalry bloom. And I'm happy that the Blue Jays got the last laugh in this series. We'll see what happens down the line. Honestly, I love this. I mean... Yeah, they're not going to play as much this season as in years past, but this is what makes it fun. And I, on, um, I think it was the Saturday game, Dan and Joe, they mentioned that this Blue Jays team is different. It's not like they're the kids who are coming up who are like, yeah, maybe we'll squeeze by with 90-plus wins uh, and the Yankees will just be a lock for the division lead. Like These are two, dare I say, equal teams in terms of standings. Uh, like These are teams that are straight up going head-to-head. -head. It's not like, oh, let's try and beat the Yankees. It's, no, we can beat the Yankees. And... I think it's fun. The only thing that I'm worried about is that we will, I mean, with baseball, the problem is you get a problem with a guy, you just throw at him. And then and you saw this, I think it was 2018, where it was Jay Happ versus someone where they're just constantly throwing at each other, like every other inning. I don't want to see that. I, I, mean, I doubt we will. I, I feel like if this was last year, we'd probably see something like that, where the Blue Jays were, you know, more flamboyant and maybe ego oriented. But this season, I think that they really are just a team that like, Let's just win. We don't really care. We're not here to showboat. I mean, yeah, they'll celebrate and things like that. But I think that this team is a lot quieter in terms of how they go about things. But I think this Yankee rivalry will definitely fire them up. And I guess one thing that I'll mention about that whole Anthony Rizzo situation, dude, shut up. Like, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was hit by a pitch. He can talk if he wants to. He can say, I don't like that. And that was the whole okay, argument. I... I may have a controversial opinion here, but I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was probably in the wrong there. I don't. No, Jacob, do you not... think do you think that pitch to Vladdy was intentional or no? I'm not saying it was intentional, but if yeah, if the person receiving the hit wants to say something, I don't think that you can just immediately say no, 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 go take your base and be quiet, because that's what the whole thing was. It was basically just Rizzo saying, "Dude, be quiet." So, I don't know. Is, thankfully, like I said, it didn't really lead to much other than just a little bit of an argument and then, you know, not no fireworks in the next inning or the next batter or whatever, but it definitely makes it a little more interesting, I think, if you're a fan of this team or even if you're just an outsider looking at it, but we'll have to see, I guess, what transpires in uh, in the next couple of years. I don't think they're playing for a while off the top of my head. Uh, I think they play once in, in May. May and then yeah, not until September. Of, mm -hmm. Yeah, middle of May, the Yankees come to Toronto, so... I don't know. I, I like it. I think it, it's it's nice to have these type of rivalries. I mean, we always hear about like Yankees, Red Sox and Yankees, Mets and all these other types of rivalries just stuffed on my head. And so it's nice to kind of have that type of rivalry, especially division wise, because you take two out of three, you're quite literally making your your chances in the standings a lot better. Like you are not only increasing your record, but decreasing 
somebody else's record. So it'll be a fun, I think, rest of the season. And maybe we'll see these two teams in the playoffs sometime. We'll have to see. But it, you know, it's I'm enjoying it so far. And and we'll just we'll have to see, I guess, what uh, what this May series happens to be. And I think one thing to look at. I know this is a long way away, but we'll have to see how that new bullpen plays into a effect at Rogers Center. I guarantee you, there's going to be somebody recreating that. Uh, I think it was in Boston, that video where someone just screams, that's a ball, Garrett. Like, I love that video. It's just a fun, it's, it, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. But we'll have to see how the fans uh, react there. But definitely shaping up to be, I think, one of the Blue Jays' better rivals uh, this season and beyond. Just to jump in on Vladdy, the reason I say I think he may have been in the wrong is because he was hit by that pitch. I don't think it's intentional, and he was staring down the pitcher, and I think that's why Anthony Rizzo kind of got involved. So, like, I don't know if it was justified to stare down the pitcher in that situation. Like, I know there's all this stuff going on, but that's the reason why I say I don't know if it made sense. Yeah, I I think he, he may have been looking for it, but for me, I think I'm more with Jacob where I don't, like, I don't think it's Anthony Rizzo's part to do any, like, I didn't understand that part either. I thought he was also looking for it. I think they were both looking for it, honestly, yeah. and then, Nothing really, I mean, of course, we didn't see the benches didn't clear. Nothing carried over to the next day. So, I mean, it's something that's going to definitely, I wouldn't say we're done seeing any sort of heads butting in this, of course, this rivalry. But, of course, it'll have to wait till, um, I guess, the end of May, like you guys were talking about. That's the next time they play. But, yeah, like with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's interesting because I wonder, like, of course, we're never going to find out. Like, I wonder what that whole thing was with the Yankees. Like, I mean, is it maybe something with his dad or whatever back then during his playing career? I don't know. But whatever it is, he clearly knows what he's doing, and he's clearly well aware of the backlash that comes after it. So I'm fine with him going out there and saying whatever he wants to say about that. And the best part about it is he's backing it up. I mean, I've seen you, we've seen the memes of him doing, like, this is my house and everything like that. But of course, I was seeing the same thing about Yankee Stadium to him. So the fact that he's able to do that and produce at Yankee Stadium and own Yankee Stadium, I think that's really crucial. And of course, he hits very well, of course, off of Garrett Cole as well. So, I mean, he had a good weekend overall, but of course, the Friday and the Sunday game were highlighted with his home runs and the booze. And I think he's really embraced that villain role that he's kind of pretty much done to himself. And he knows what he's doing. He's fine with it. And the same thing goes with Alec Manoa. I mean, you talked about with Alec Manoa last year, what he said in the offseason on Serge Ibaka's cooking show um, about Garrett Cole being the biggest cheater in sports or whatever. They both know what they're doing. And I think, honestly, they're both in a very similar situation in terms of how they are, I guess, the perception from Yankees fans about how much they hate them. And I think the feeling is obviously very mutual that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., despises the Yankees, which he's admitted, and I'm sure Alec Manoa doesn't think too much differently on that part. So I'm glad that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was able to talk all of that and back it up. I think that was the biggest part for me, and of course he did that uh, throughout the series with his home runs, and I think that was really crucial, especially with Manoa going out there like we discussed. But for me, um, it's interesting because I don't even, I'm not fully convinced that hitting him was not intentional. I'm not saying it was on purpose. I'm just, I'm not fully convinced that it was not an accident I don't know I just a part of me doesn't have a a good feeling that that was completely by accident but again it's something that perhaps is going to boil over throughout the season of, of course when they play each other a couple more times this season so that's something to look out for but I'm glad that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was able to uh, just have a great weekend overall and I'm glad that he's completely fine with saying whatever he's he's saying and he's pretty much backing everything up because he owns Yankee Stadium that's for sure 
that can't be denied. You know, another two home runs in a three-game series can't be denied how much he owns the Yankees. And, yeah, like, the rational part of my brain is thinking that, like, maybe Vladdy's in the wrong, but the fan part of my brain is supporting him 100%. Because, like, you do look at the fact that, you know, he said these things, and in the very next game he gets beamed with a fastball. It's like, I don't know. The math does check out a little bit, but, like... I think he was antagonizing them a little bit, but as a fan, I love it. Bring it on. Um, Yeah, it was fun to see the rivalry, though, Um, especially with Alec Manoa. I got to be honest, I was a little disappointed with the Manoa-Cole game because I expected, like, bases to clear at some point. I really thought, like, seventh inning when Garrett Cole knows he's getting pulled, he was going to plunk whoever was up to bat that inning, Vladdy or whoever, and I thought we might get some heroics and some dramatics, but ended up being pretty mainstream and that's okay, but I'm sure we'll get fireworks down the line and, you know, maybe they'll pull a Texas Rangers and last game of the season against each other. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see some fireworks fly because they're not worried about repercussions down the road. Or maybe if these two teams face off in the postseason, which is certainly a possibility at this point, we'll get to see some of that as well on the biggest stage imaginable. Um, Kevin Gosman start. I know we talked about it a little bit, but it's the most strikeouts for a Blue Jay at Yankee Stadium since uh, Roger Clemens did it, and those are the only two guys in Blue Jays history to have eleven or more strikeouts at Yankee Stadium. I don't know if that's qualified by having zero walks at the same time, but regardless, a phenomenal start from Kevin Gosman goes down in the history books in Blue Jays history in terms of starts at Yankee Stadium. Uh, The other thing to mention, at least offensively for the Blue Jays, because we haven't talked a lot about that besides Vladdy, is Brandon Belt. He had a phenomenal game in the series opener, kind of carried the Blue Jays to their win, and it seems like he's finally coming around. I know it took him a while. We know he had the surgery in the offseason. We know he's one of those guys who's probably over the hill and not going to be the same offensive contributor that he was for much of his career, but Two for four on Friday, a home run, a double, scored four of the Blue Jays, six runs. And if the Blue Jays can get that from Brandon Belt, great. He doesn't need to be that for the Blue Jays, but if they can get that at least occasionally, I'm over the moon with him. And I think he's more there for his clubhouse influence than anything else. I know like the lefty bat and everything, but I think he's more there for... His clubhouse presence, his veteran presence, the fact that he's been there and done it before on multiple contenders, right? 2010, 2012, 2014 with the Giants. I think all those facts combine to make him a perfect fit for the Blue Jays, whether he contributes on the field or not. And whatever they get on the field is a bonus. And I think the fact that he won that game for the Blue Jays was great, phenomenal. And hopefully that little bit of a hot streak continues um, over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think that like what's important to note, and I've, we've probably mentioned this uh, throughout the last uh, couple episodes, or just pretty much since the season has started. Brandon Belt's not here to be your starting first baseman or starting anywhere. He's just meant to be a bench bat, and he'll start the odd game. I mean, he's clearly starting you know, quite a few games, but he'll get his chances. But he don't expect him to hit. I mean, right now his average is under two hundred sluggings, uh, just barely over three twenty five on base percentage. We would be considered a good batting average at 240 for him. Like, stats are definitely not uh, not in his favor, but that's not really what he's brought in to do. Like, he'll give you some offense from time to time. I think it was the home opener, one of those games against the Tigers. I think it was the home opener where he's he was driving in a couple runs, getting a few hits in the in the the that game against the Yankees. Obviously, he was definitely one of the the biggest factors there. 
that's really what we're going to see. Sometimes he'll do well. Sometimes he'll drive in runs. He's not a liability defensively by any means. So just kind of understand that. I feel like a good comparison, and maybe you guys disagree with this, would be something like uh, Curtis Granderson, where he's not really brought in to be a actual contributor offensively or just on the field in general. He's just kind of brought in. He'll get you his reps in. He'll, you know, he's not going to be terrible. He's not going to be a huge liability, but he's really brought in there to fill a more of a personal role and he'll do that well. So I think this is just kind of what we need to expect out of, of Brandon Belt. Like don't expect him to turn into the next, I mean, I don't know. Don't expect him to, expect him to take over Vladdy's role and have Vladdy take over the DH role primarily or anything like that. Like we're not going to see that. He, and he's an older guy. He's just here to get his reps in. So it was definitely nice to have him win a game for the Blue Jays realistically. Like if you want to put it that way, but other than that, like he is, probably just going to be a pretty streaky player throughout the rest of this season and I think we just kind of have to accept that unfortunately the strikeouts are going to be up but the odd time he will definitely uh, drive in some runs yeah definitely a good weekend for Brandon Bell I mean if you really look at it uh pretty much start or since the start of the home or the home opener of that first home stand of the season and then pretty much is what's translated since he's actually hitting a lot better I think he's hitting over 330 pretty much since that span and he's really looked a little bit more comfortable of course He's not all the way back yet, and who knows what that we're going to see in terms of all the way back. So that's why I think, like, I agree with what you're saying, Jacob. I just, I look at it a little bit more saying, like, he's not just there to get his reps. And, like, I do think he's here to contribute as much as he can. Like, it's not like he's there just to give him a roster spot and just to, you know, plan him on the roster. I do think he's here to contribute. It's just, I think the expectations level from people needed to lower pretty much from the start of the season. And I think that they need to accept that. Of course, I you guys are right about him not being in the lineup every day. I think he's pretty much going to be a guy coming in and off the bench. Like you guys were saying, he's going to be in the lineup a few times a series. Not all the time, of course, which we've already started to see uh, pretty much since the start of the season. So if he can be a little, just a little bit more consistent at the plate, and he's starting to show that since, again, that homestand started uh, a couple weeks ago, I think that's pretty important for this lineup I think that's good for Brandon Belt in terms of the expectations in terms of what he's going to bring because I do think he can bring some good um, still from what we've been seeing I mean again we're not expecting him to hit 20 plus home runs uh, or anything like that but he can be a solid contributor to this team and he doesn't need to be in the lineup every day for that to happen because the Blue Jays have their own quarter pretty much for that to happen already with them so I think that he can be kind of a supporting factor for that of course of course off the field is a big part of that. He's We all know how good of a player he is and how classy he is from what everything we've heard about him. But contributing to the lineup here and there, I think, is really important for him. And, of course, it was really good for him to go out there on Friday and do that um, against the Yankees. I mean, it, this was really the first game where all around, in terms of every single at-bat you saw from him, he looked good. I mean, the, the four RBIs, he just missed out of hitting that second home run later in the game. Like, he was really close from pretty much going deep again. And then his first home run, which is to right center field. I mean, he crushed that and he looked, um, it was just, it was really good contact from what we saw. And I'm glad that he was able to get one of those games in because as much as he was starting to contribute slower and slower since that homestand, I think he was still due for a day where he pretty much went three for four, you know, over three RBIs. And that's exactly what we saw from him. So that's going to, you know, it's good that he was able to do that. I think before the end of the April as well. And I think it's just, 
picking your spots with Brandon Belt, pretty much deciding when and where is a good spot for him to be in the lineup, what's a good day for him to be in the lineup. Of course, we talked about days where Vladdy's DHing. He can go there, go there to first base, while Alejandro Kirk doesn't have to be in there every single time as a DH. It's all those factors, I think, come back to play when Brandon Belt's contributing for in a good way for that because he's definitely been getting a lot of backlash to start the year. And, of course, I mean, he hasn't been playing well. I think there's no question about that in terms of the strikeouts, but he is striking out less. He's making more contact. So that's why I'm still a little bit more optimistic that he's turning the curve in terms of his early season struggles. And I'm happy to see it. And I'm happy for him because of course, as much as he has pretty much proven himself throughout his entire career, I think he also wants to end this thing off on a good note. And the fact that he was able to recover from knee surgery, it was a major knee surgery. And the fact that he's able to come around and he's showing some flashes of the player that he can still be for this team. I think that's very important to him as well. Can I just clarify real quick? When I said get his reps in, that might have sounded a little harsh now that I think about it after listening it did, to you. It did, it did. What I meant is he's going to get his at-bats and he's going to get chances to hit, but don't expect him to 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 hit, like you said, 20-plus home runs or anything like There's that. There's nothing like, wrong with that. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. Like he, what His expectations are totally fair for him, and I will... I'm not happy with his performance totally yet, but if he can hit even just a little bit over 200, get you a couple home runs here or there, provide you defense then that's totally fine. That's exactly what you expect out of him, and you can be completely happy with that. One thing I found interesting about Brandon Belt from this series is that John Schneider pinch hit for Brandon Belt with Danny Jansen in the Saturday game. And first off, that decision just to me seems wild from the outset. Like Danny Jansen has had a very cold start to the season, but then the result of that pinch hitting is even wilder to me. Like the fact that Danny Jansen came in in the top of the ninth and hit a pinch hit two-run home run to tie the game at Yankee Stadium, like, that's a wild progression of events to me. And it shocked me that they went with Danny Jansen over Brandon Belt, and it shocked me that Danny Jansen hit that pinch hit home run. So, um, but yeah, another thing to, to talk about from that game was the fact that the Blue Jays or John Schneider decided to pull Alec Manoa after seven innings. He left the game sitting at 85 pitches. He had gone seven innings, two hits allowed, zero earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. We talked about his line. We talked about how effective he was. The Blue Jays put in Jimmy Garcia, and Garcia proceeds to give up two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. A lot of people are criticizing John Schneider for deciding to remove Alec Manoa, especially because it was against the seven, eight, nine hitters in the New York Yankees lineup, and he was only sitting at 85 pitches. I'm curious if you guys take issue with that decision from John Schneider. If you agree with the decision, what factors you think led to John Schneider pulling out Alec Manoa in that game? Here we go. You act as if I'm about to make like the boldest take of... No, no, it just flashes of this last year. It's not, I'm wow. not like criticizing <laughs> what you're going to say. It's just, you know, we've, it's been we've a had while lots since of these. We had a good, uh, good bullpen banter. Yeah, like Charlie been, Montoyo days. We've done a lot of this. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So here's the thing. Whenever I say oh, that, you know baby. I'm about to say, Here we you go. know I'm about to say something <laughs> controversial. Anyways, I don't have a problem with pulling Alec Manoa. I know his pitch count was low. I don't know if Jimmy Garcia is who I go to, but I don't necessarily have a huge issue with it. And just looking at it, three of Jimmy Garcia's last four appearances, two runs each. So six runs in his last four appearances, and that is over a span of four innings. So the ERA is inflated. I mean, it's at 720 right now, and it's been, he did have a stretch of like six or whatever it is, appearances of giving up nothing, but it's not looking good. And I mean, out of that, I mean, you look at 
two home runs against Tampa Bay allowed, one in the in the game against the Yankees. I mean, he's getting his strikeouts. He's got four uh, strikeouts in his last five appearances. But I mean, when it's only one inning, it's it's a little bit more impressive. But he's he's not pitching very well right now. And even you look at guys like Adam Simber, like the bullpen, the guys that they relied on last season, not necessarily doing as well right now. And I mean, I can't remember who posted it, but somebody on Twitter made like a uh, like a meme about John Schneider's bullpen priority list, and it was like Jordan Romano at the top. Everybody that's struggling, I feel like he put Nate Pearson, or whoever posted it, put Nate Pearson on the list, and then like the whole Triple A bullpen, then Eric, Eric Swanson, Swanson on the last. bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, if you're gonna go to your bullpen, use the best guys. Like I don't know why you're using Jimmy Garcia in this situation. Yes, he's been one of your better relievers. Yes, you kind of want him to to earn your trust back. But Eric Swanson, somebody else. Like I think that that's who you got to put in that situation. Didn't end up working. I mean, they obviously lost the game. And even John Romano kind of struggled. So it's not like he had uh, the greatest appearance either. But I wouldn't necessarily pin that on taking Alec Manoa out. Like, at the end of the day, you can't rely on him to throw nine innings of shutout baseball to win a game. So I think the offense, it was pretty cold. Like, I'm just trying to remember exactly. If they had bases loaded against Cole, I think. I'm just trying to see how many they left on. Yeah, they left on eight, uh, eight men on base in that Saturday game. It was not good. They had plenty of opportunities. Garrett Cole was not sharp either. I mean, he'll look sharp just based off of the box score, but he struggled to keep the Blue Jays uh, off the bases, and he just he got lucky based off of a bad Blue Jays offensive day. So you can't necessarily, in my opinion, blame Manoa being pulled for that loss. Like you need better offense, and your bullpen needs to do its its job. And it's a tough ask to demand everybody to to have shutout innings, but. It was a combination of things. Like this isn't this is this isn't John Schneider's fault for taking Alec Manoa out. A lot of other things needed to go differently, and I don't know. Maybe I'll get hate for that. I feel like people sometimes disagree with takes like that, but I think that it, it is one of those things where it's not it's not John Schneider losing a chess mass match. It's the Blue Jays not performing the way they're expected to. I like that. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um. Like. It's it's so easy to rip on something when it doesn't work. It really is. I mean, but if the, the fact of the matter is if this thing works out on Saturday, we're not having this conversation obviously, but I guess the the fan part of me would lo- would have liked to see Alec Manoa go out there another inning. However, you take in all the factors in terms of it's been a slow start. It's kind of just the way baseball's managed now. I mean, when that after that 7th inning, you usually have a bullpen now where you can go the 8th and the ninth inning. So, I don't I don't disagree with the decision. I think it's definitely interesting in terms of the people you're bringing in, though. Like, I, I, in terms of what you were saying, Jacob, I agree with you in terms of Jimmy Garcia. Like, he usually is a reliable guy late in the game for this team. Unfortunately, it hasn't been the case this season for him. He's kind of been off to a rocky start. And then, other than that, I mean, the only guy that I can really fully trust before Jordan Romano coming into the game is Eric Swanson. That's it. I mean, I look at Jimmy Garcia like we talked about. Tim Meza, it's t- kind of turned into a flip a coin. I mean, you don't know what you're going to be getting. But, of course, I think his last couple of appearances have been good. Zach Pop has built himself back up to a high-leverage role. But, of course, that first time he came out in a high-leverage role, it didn't go too well for him in Houston. So, don't know how confident I feel in terms of being certain with it. Adam Simber, I do not trust late in games. I'll be, with all due respect, I think he's more of a middle inning guy or middle relief guy. Anthony Bass has been a disaster uh, to start the year. And then Trevor Richards is also, you know, I think he's, 
I honestly, I do think he's been pitching better than what we've been making it out to be. But of course, I'm not trusting him late in the game either. So that's where you look at it. You wonder if this bullpen is definitely missing a piece. Of course, that's something that will be addressed in the summer. Chad Green's on his way back, and hopefully he turns out to be the reliever he used to be. So with what John Schneider was working with, it's hard for me to completely criticize the move. I definitely would have liked to see Eric Swanson come in, though. I mean, like, you traded for this guy for a reason. I understand that they're waiting for the ninth inning in that situation if it's tied to bring him in. That's pretty much the approach they were using it as. But, I mean, he's been your best reliever other than, again, Jordan Romano. And he's been the best reliever, including Jordan Romano, uh, this season. you got to bring him in, in my opinion, as well, late in a game like that. you got to find a way to get him involved. That's why you went up to trade for him. But it's just, it's hard to really go with that decision when all these guys you don't exactly trust completely. That's kind of why it's hard for me to completely criticize the move. But at the same time, there's also an argument if that's the case... Why isn't Alec Manoa going out there for another inning? I'm not here to completely support that, um, but I definitely, the fan part of me would have liked to see him try and go out there again 100%. I just think they took in all the factors of, you know, the amount of times for the order, the the fact Manoa struggled, all that stuff. So it's definitely an interesting conversation, and I will say that no matter if you agree or disagree, Mark, or whatever you're going to say, these conversations are always a blast. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, like... I don't know. I don't take big <laughs> issue with the decision. Like maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to do in hindsight, but hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, if we're sitting here and Jimmy Garcia struck out the side, like we're happy that Alec Manoa got taken out and the Blue Jays potentially win that game, or maybe that game goes to the tenth, or you know, whatever happens in that chain of events down in the eighth and ninth inning. But like hindsight is twenty twenty, and if that move works out, we're not talking about it. So. But I understand the need to, like, look, Alec Manoa has been struggling lately. Like, we talk about momentum. We talk about building blocks. If you can end his start on the stretch that he had, the phenomenal outing he had, he can kind of wash his hands of it and move forward and build off that in his next start. Like, I don't think taking him out at 85 pitches is a problem when he's been struggling. So I understand that side of it. Should they have gone to someone besides Garcia? Like, maybe, like, I have more trust in Swanson right now. I have more trust in Romano right now, but maybe that's it. Like, I don't know if there's anyone else in the bullpen I trust more. And I mean, I say I have trust in Romano, but Romano came out in the bottom of the ninth and blew it. So like, I don't know. The Blue Jays bullpen is always going to be one of those things that we don't totally trust, but I think it's, you know, writ large this season, we can be happy with the way things have started or happier with the ways things have started compared to previous seasons. So I don't know. I think this is a blip on the radar. Like, John Schneider made a choice he needed to make. His back was against the wall either way. If he keeps Manoa in and Manoa gives up a hit in the first at-bat and he gets pulled and that run comes around to score, like, I don't know. I think we view Manoa's start a lot differently if it ends with an earned run in the eighth or two earned runs in the eighth. And I think getting him out of there with a clean inning, with a good start, a good final line in the bag is really important to build momentum. And I don't think Garcia is the wrong guy to go to in that situation. So I think people are overreacting when they criticize this move a lot, but whatever, it's the bullpen. That's what we do. Um, okay. The blue Jays are welcoming the Chicago white Sox on a new homestand. It is Charlie Montoyo's homecoming to the Rogers center three games against the white Sox. What are our series predictions? Just want to quickly see. So today, 
looks like it's going to be Bassett versus Lynn, but I think, you know, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I don't think anybody is actually going to be watching the game because there's a big important game in Tampa Bay going on. Uh, I had to bingo. do it. Why uh, can't you do both? I don't understand why. I mean, I like tech. Split anyways, screen. anyways, Bassett versus Lynn today. Mike Clevenger, that's a name I haven't heard in a while, against Brios looking like tomorrow, and then uh, Yusei Kikuchi, Blue Jays legend, against Michael Kopech. White Sox are not very good right now. I'm going to oh, say doing it. Yeah. I've had the good predictions so far. I mean, I, I, all I'm going to say, I've, I've had the best predictions You're in last. last. Yeah, but I've, I'm like on the come up. You guys are on the downfall. Well, I was perfect this weekend. He was. We all, for the record, we all said two out of three, but Bryson got the game right. So we... Jacob, you and I got three points. Bryson got a perfect four on the weekend. Mm. Okay, well. Yeah, take that. We'll take a sweep. Let's see if you do that. Anyways, yeah, I do think that they're going to sweep. I mean, yeah, the White Sox, like, yeah, you're, you're weren't kid. Like, 7-15, and 15, like, this was a team a couple years ago that was, like, a lock to be a playoff team. And ever since that season, it's just, it's kind of been downhill for them. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm very tempted to take a sweep with you. I mean, first of all, Charlie Montoya is back. I have to assume they're going to do some sort of video thing for him. I don't know for sure. Maybe not a whole tribute, but maybe show him and kind of give him a little bit of a wave. I mean, that'd be cool, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. It, he's back. Good for him. Welcome back, Charlie. Um, but, yeah, like you talked about what's going for the rotation. You got Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi. I mean, they're all coming off really good starts. I really like where both of, all their games are at. Bassett's figured it out. The other two have been on the rise in terms of confidence. The White Sox aren't a good. Okay, I'm doing it. I'll take a sweep as w- with you as well. I just I can't pinpoint a game that they're going to lose here. It's too hard for me to predict what one of the games are going to lose here. So you're just foregoing the possibility of getting an extra point. Oh, I guess if you're saying they sweep, then yeah, is that, I guess that counts as the extra right. four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they win all the games, you get the four points. I'm going to go two out of three. I'll be the contrarian. I think Charlie Montoyo brings some bad luck with him <laughs> to the Blue Jays. And I think they probably, I think they lose the middle game because it's Clevenger pitching and he seems to be the most solid of the three starters that the White Sox have going. And it's also Barrios so maybe, I know I said last episode, I, I'm i 100% buying into what Barrios has got going right now, but maybe he fumbles a little bit. I don't know. I'll say two to three just because both of you are saying three to three. I think Charlie Montoya brings some bad luck. But just to update the standings, on where our series predictions lie because we finally caught up on the calculations after Bryson's four point weekend against the Yankees. Bryson's leading the way with 16 points. I'm at 15 points and Jacob, you're 14 points. So we're not at us. Things could change this weekend, depending what happens. Um, anything else to add before we wrap it up? I just like to add, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, credit to the home run jacket. It lives on in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you guys saw really? that, but the Pirates have officially unveiled their own uh, burial jacket. Yeah, uh, and the Pirates are off to a crazy start. They're like what sixteen and nine or sixteen. They're turning. And they're turning that corner. They are. <laughs> Maybe Even it's a home run jacket too. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want you see the Mariners with yeah. that trident. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. we, we we don't talk about them on here. Yeah, well, it was eight to one. Anyways, I kind of wish that they. Okay. Um, I wish the Blue Jays kept the jacket. That's a bold take. That we don't have enough time for that, but. It was cool to see it. Be careful what the, you say. Um, yeah, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, there's a lot of new home run celebrations around baseball. Like I don't know if anyone saw the Reds have a new like hockey home run where they wear like a helmet and then they also I thought get that a was the Tigers stick at the end of the. 
Maybe that was the Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers, the Red know. Wings helmet. All yeah. those all those central teams blend together. But yeah, I don't know. Some weird like I love dugout celebrations, but I feel like some of them are getting a little bit gimmicky. Like I feel like this is gonna go down a rabbit hole. I feel like the home run jacket was great because it like symbolized something. Like it symbolized the diversity of the team and where everyone's from. Like you walk into the dugout with a trident, it's like I don't know. It doesn't feel organic. It feels like it's forced a little bit. And even like as much as I hate the Red Sox, like the shopping cart celebration, that was fun. Like it was organic. It just kind of popped up. But you're like, I don't know. It feels a little gimmicky. That's my hot take. Well, next thing the tiger is going to bring out like an actual tiger, like ride it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like tigers and Red Wings. Not 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 a good era for Detroit sports right now. I mean, their football team's turning around. <laughs> but anyways. I think I saw one team also like had like a Darth Vader helmet going on with like team colors. Like I don't, yeah. it is, uh, it's ridiculous, but you know what? People are having fun just in terms of the home run jacket with this team. Just, we have to be careful of what we say because there's a <laughs> lot of opinion on that. It's a very divisive topic. All I will say is it made the home runs a little more fun to watch. Winning a world series would be even funner though. Do you think we, uh, we get another home run celebration? Like, do you think like not home run jacket, but something new, over the course of the season? Or is that, like, done? Is there, a, like, a ban on that in the Blue Jays' dugout? This is a Jacob question. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I would love to see something. I just... The mood around the clubhouse, the way I'm reading it, and, and this goes back to spring training, is that they're kind of beyond just that whole era of the team. Like, they're just here to win. They'll Vladdy will do the whole, like, shh, uh, and the, the thousand arm movements when he hits a home run, but... I highly doubt that you're going to see something like that, which is kind of unfortunate because I would love to see it. But, I mean, like Bryson said, winning a World Series would be fun. But I think also winning a World Series with those celebrations would, would be a little bit more fun too. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Vladdy, I guess, wears it in spirit after he kind of does that to himself. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the closest we're going to get for me. I don't see it. But I'd be, I wouldn't, like, completely be surprised. But I just, I can't see it happening. Yeah. I I think it might take a bit. Like, I think w- maybe if we get some, like, energy mid-July, like, trade deadline, maybe we'll see some stuff pop up. But I think it'll take a bit until then. I don't think the current squad is doing anything by themselves. Unless they, like, they may go on this crazy winning streak. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, after that tangent is done, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> listening to this episode of Section 138. It's good to have the three of us back in normal rotation. Hopefully... This continues for the next couple weeks. Um, As always, you can support our podcast and do everything with our podcast by going to the link below this episode, the link in our bio on social media. It's a link tree slash section 138 pod. You can find our uh, bias coffee page. You can find us on discord. You can join our discord where we have about 60 or 70 listeners who, you know, we have great conversations during the game and we get mailbags for the episode and that sort of thing. Um, and then you can, of course, just find us on social media. That's at Section138Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll be back at the end of this Chicago series to discuss what Charlie Montoyo's legacy in Toronto is. We'll catch you then.